Harry uh, already said, we're going to continue this morning in the, the series that we started last week. And so uh, we're back in the uh, book of Habakkuk. And so if you are able, you can turn there now. We'll be in Habakkuk uh, beginning in chapter 1, verse 12, and going through chapter 2, uh, verse 5 uh, this morning. Let's give our attention to uh, the Word of God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, You have ordained them as a judgment, and You, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. And he brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. And therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offering to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand and my watch posts and I will station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. The righteous shall live by faith. And moreover, wine is a traitor and an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is God's word. It's without error in any part. It's given for our good and for his glory. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come now unto Your Word. We ask that Your Spirit would be at work uh, this morning. That You would use Your Word uh, to confront us and our pride and our arrogance and to comfort us and our dependency upon You for our salvation, for life. Use it this morning to instruct us and encourage us that we may fall more deeply in love with you and pursue the things of your kingdom and the righteousness of Christ our Savior. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated if you'd like. We continue this morning in Habakkuk. If you missed last week, we looked at the first 11 verses, which many commentators call the first complaint. And uh, you, you'll remember if you were here that the gist of it is that Habakkuk is not, not very happy. Um, Judah, the nation that he lives in, is corrupt in, in every way. The, the leadership of the nation's corrupt. The legal system's been corrupted. It's just a corrupt place. Even, even the worship in the temple has been defiled and corrupted. And so he cries out to God, God, how long? How long are you going to let this go on, right? And Harry challenged all, all the children last week to count how many times I said how long. Somebody said it was 37. I, I, didn't, I didn't go back and listen to it to count. Maybe somebody did. Uh, so he asked how long, and then he asked why. 
We said the, the whole central theme of the book of Habakkuk is, is to teach us to, to walk in faith in the world that we have been put in, in the life that, lo, that the Lord has given us. And, and last week, we, we looked at the fact that we can do that because our God is sovereign, that the king still sits on the throne, that he is in control, even when things go from bad to worse. Well, this week is, is not just the warning that they're going to go bad, from bad to worse. This week is, is Habakkuk's response as things are going from bad to worse. This week, as I was preparing this, I was reminded of, of a hymn um, by a, an old English hymn writer and pastor, uh, William Cooper. Uh, he, he recounts in his writings of, of his struggle with depression. And, and he recounts that, that as he got called into ministry, that that struggle became less frequent, but when it came upon him, it was more intense. And in one of the recountings of that, he, he begins to, to talk about how one episode of this depression was so great that it, it led him to decide to, to attempt suicide. And he decided he was going to do this by drowning himself in the River Thames. And so he called for a, a buggy to come in and take him down to the river so he could do this. And as they were on their way, the story goes, as he writes, that a great fog fell over the city of London. So great that they couldn't see. And, and, and the, the, the cat got lost. And they began to just drive in circles. And, and, and William Cooper began to get somewhat frustrated. And he finally got to the point where he just said, stop and let me out. And so he steps out of, of, of the buggy. And, and where does he step out to? Well, right in front of his own home. They'd been driving for, for what he felt like were hours in circles, and they had ended right back in front of his house. And it led him to, to write the hymn that, that, that God works in a mysterious way. And one of those uh, verses says this, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. We, we began to talk last week about the fact that sometimes God's providences are dark and, and, and hard and difficult. That he, he uses things in, in our lives to strip us of our idols, to woo us and win us back as his people. And that's what he, he told Habakkuk was happening. Hey, I'm going to use the Babylonians, the, the, the worse, as a judgment and a reproof for the things that you've been complaining to me about. And then Habakkuk's responding this week. And, and I titled this sermon, Turn That Frown Upside Down, because what I hope isn't so much that we begin to see his providence not as frowning. But what I hope is as we begin to look at and study God at work in these things, and we, we begin to, to wrestle with his character and his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his love, that even in those difficult times, it will lead us to a comfort. It will lead us to a place that we can smile, even in the hard times when things go from bad to worse. So Habakkuk's going to continue this morning to help us learn what it means to walk by faith in the world we inhabit. And, and we're going to see, and he's going to teach us this in three ways. He's going to teach us by, by what he says, by what he does, and by what he hears. And so by what he says, what he says, well, beginning in verse 12, how does he respond to the, the bad becoming worse? Well, he responds with these words, are, are you not from everlasting O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, You have ordained them as a judgment, and You, O Rock, have established them for reproof. What's He doing? 
Six times in, in that, that first verse of our passage this morning, six times in verse 12, he proclaims what he knows to be true about God. So, so the, the bad is, is going to worse. He's been now beginning with the rest of the nation of Judah to experience the incursions and the attacks of the Babylonians. The bloodshed is now upon them. It's no longer a threat. It's there. And he does what? As a response, he reminds himself what he knows to be true about God. This is really important, y'all. Because when, when life goes sideways for us, when things get hard for us, it's the exact kind of thing that we need to be doing. We, we, we need to be remembering what we know to be true about God. We need to be reminding ourselves and each other the, about the, the goodness of God. We need to be reminding ourselves that, that God is an everlasting God, that He's infinite, that He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. We need to be reminding ourselves that, that He's the Lord. And if you've got your Bible open, you can see that most likely in your translation in English, that's a capital L-O-R-D. They're all capitals. Which means that it's a very specific name of God being used. It's the name Yahweh. It, it, it's a name that's so revered by, by, by the nation of Israel and by, by practicing Jews even today that they don't use it. They don't utter it. It becomes more of a, of a breath that they breathe because it's so holy to them. It's the name that, that the Lord gave to Moses in Exodus 3. That says to, to, to his people, I am a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. So he's, he's reminding himself that God is infinite, that God is a covenant-making and, and covenant-keeping God. And then he says what? That he says, my God. That there's this personal, relational aspect to, to this covenant-making, covenant-keeping, infinite God that Habakkuk knows him and is known by him. And he says, you're the Holy One. You're the set apart. You're, you're the one who is so other than us. You're righteous. And then he, he says, and, and you're the sovereign one. Right? You ordained this judgment. And then he says, and you're the rock. You're the one who doesn't move. You're the unchangeable one. Six times, that first verse, he reminds himself what he knows to be true about God. When, when, when life goes sideways, when, when the hard times come, when, when things are difficult and there's pain and there's suffering and, and there's brokenness in life, our response needs to be like Habakkuk's. We need to remind ourselves what we know to be true about God. Because we know when, when, when things go sideways and the evil one attacks, what does he attack? He's had the same playbook, right, for all of Scripture. You go back to the Garden of Eden, what does he say? To the woman, you, you surely won't die. You're not gonna, God's not just. God's not just. Oh, and, 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 and he's also not trustworthy. I mean, he told you you would die if you eat it, but you're not going to. You can't believe him. He, he takes it further. You surely won't die. Not only that, God knows when you eat of this, you will have the knowledge of good and evil. You will be like God. He's been holding out on you. He's not good. Right? The, the evil one, when we begin to, to struggle and have hard times, what does he do? He attacks the very character of God. He, he says God's not just, he's not trustworthy, he's not good. He sends us into despair with those kind of words. And so we need to remind ourselves and root ourselves in what we know to be true about God. What Scripture proclaims to us to be true about God. He doesn't just talk about what... God is. He also talks about his own situation. 
He tells the truth about the situation he's in. He begins first with the ultimate conclusion, right? We shall not die. I mean, it's another promise of God that he's relying on, but he knows the conclusion of this is that we're not going to all die. You're not going to wipe us off the face of the earth because you've promised that a remnant will remain. So you can't do this, right? Because we know there's an everlasting king coming kind of thing. That's important for us too, to to know that there is an end in sight. That that, that ultimately the promises of God, that, that evil will be dealt with. But he doesn't stop there. Right? He, he then begins into questioning God again. Now, we need to be uh, really certain and understand this, that w- we see in Habakkuk him, him questioning God and, and what God's doing. We see often in the psalmist, the psalmist crying out, why to God? And, and, and a lot of times our questioning of God comes um, n- not from the place that it comes from in Scripture, but it comes from our, our, our cynicism, right? Our, our, our cynicism towards God. And, and cynicism is a place that starts with a heart of denial that refuses to believe and a heart that's ready and willing to accuse, but not wait around for answers. And that's not the kind of heart that we see here from Habakkuk. We see not a heart that's cynical. We see a heart that is full of faith, that's rooted in who God is and his understanding of God's promises. And so we see faith-filled confrontation. So he's rooted in the foundation of who God is, and then he does, though, begin to question God. So he's has a belief that refuses to deny. And we'll see that he's going to make assertions, but he refuses to move until they are answered. And he says what? Well, it's the questions that we've already dealt with. He asks those same questions again. Why? And how long? He asks why? Why? You, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? God, why are you using those people to judge us? Who, who's the more wicked one here, right? It, it's, it's the Babylonians. And who's the more righteous one? It's the Judeans. And it's not an ethical thing in, in, in Habakkuk. He's already complained about, about the corruption in Judah. He, he already has said that the, the people in leadership there are corrupt people. But what he is talking about is, is their worship. And, and you see it in, in verses 14 to 17 as he describes the worship with this analogy of the fishing. Right, he, he's saying they're, they're idol worshipers. They worship their own power and their own might. We might be pretty corrupt right now. Things might not be going well in Judah, but we at least have true worship. Right? We, we've got the temple and the sacrificial system. How are you going to let those idol worshipers run over us, swallow us up, kill us mercilessly? This is a, a question he's asking of God that is one of understanding, right? And, and really, it's one that's accusing God. God, do you realize that your reputation is at stake? You're supposed to be our God. You're supposed to be protecting us and everything. And, and their God is their power and might. And what you're showing them right now is that their God is the one who is, is the greater God. And God, Here's the thing. In Habakkuk, in our lives... That question of why goes unanswered more often than not. And, and, and I know because as, as a pastor, I sit with some of you in, in the really hard things. I, I sit with you in the death of a, of a family member. I, I sit with you in, in the struggles that, that, that are brought on in life. I sit with you in the heartache over some of your children. And the first question I get asked almost always is, why? 
And in these specific places, God doesn't answer it. He gives us the big reason. We talked about that last week, right? To woo and to win His people. To sanctify us. To draw us back to Him. But in those specific places, in these specific questions that Habakkuk's asking, we don't get answers to the why. And why is a question of, of, of understanding. But there's the second question that he asked, which is the how long question. And that's a question we do get an answer to. You know, he, he, he says it in verse 17, if you don't see it, he says, is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? How long are you going to let this go on? And that's an important question for us because how long is, is a question of experience? Why is a question of understanding how long is a question born out of our experience? We don't want to continue to feel the weight of the brokenness and the sin in our lives. We, we, we don't want to continue to, to, to suffer with depression. We don't want to continue to, to, to walk through life with melancholy and broken hearts. And so we cry out, how long? How long? And, and he's given an answer, right? He, he's already answered this. We shall not die. So he, he knows the end of the story. God's given him that. And God's going to answer it more fully next week for us when he says, I'm in my holy temple. Woe is going to come to the enemies of God. So there's an end to the evil, Habakkuk. And, and we, we know that to be true as well. We, we know the promises of God that there is a time coming when, when the new heavens and the new earth will, will be here and there'll be no more sorrow and sadness. There'll be no more pain and sin. There'll be no more suffering. And, and that, that, that's encouraging. It, it does help in some sense, but it also leaves us going, what, what, what do we do right now? What do we do now, though? I mean, Marty, that's, that's great. It, it, I understand the end of the story, but we're not there yet. We're in the now. What do we do now? What does Habakkuk do? Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I will take my stand at the watch post. I will station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. So what does he do? He watches and he waits. Watching and waiting. The posture of faith, of trust, of dependency. Watching and waiting. And this isn't just stoic watching and waiting, right? This isn't just someone who's like sitting you know, outside in their car waiting for their date to come out. This isn't someone sitting in the doctor's office who says, you know, they're looking at their watch and they're like, I thought I had a 2 o'clock appointment, it's 3.45. No, this, this is a watching and waiting that trusts that God is who He says He is. And He's going to do the things He said He's going to do. And so it's a watching and a, and a waiting that is pregnant with anticipation. It's a watching and a waiting that, that is a, a watching and waiting that's full of expectation of God's answer. And so He watches and He waits. Here's the thing, we, we, know, we know watching and waiting is hard. We, we know watching and waiting is hard. Particularly, we, we know waiting is hard, right? Uh, I, I am, um, I'm not the most patient person. And we, and we know that patience is not something that comes naturally because it's a fruit of the Spirit. So something that grows in us as the Spirit works in us. I, I just uh, this past week, uh, I don't know if it was here or, or somewhere else. It was in a parking lot. I jumped in my car. I was in a hurry to get somewhere. Jumped in the car, put it in reverse, and somebody pulled in right behind me. And uh, they had their window down there talking to somebody behind another car that I couldn't really see. And I, I, was, I was in a hurry. I was trying to get somewhere. And I, was, I mean, I was growing impatient. It took everything in me not to, to lay on my horn and let them know, like, hey, like, do you not see the, like, the lights are on? I'm trying to reverse. 
I wanted to roll my window down and say, like, yeah, carry on your conversation, chatty Kathy, somewhere else. And then the 15 seconds was up, and I, I, I pulled out. But that's how we live life, right? I mean, we were all excited when, when we could pay a flat fee to Amazon for free two-day delivery. And we, we bought into the free part. It's like, no, we paid for it already. But that wasn't enough. Then we needed items next day and then same day. And then we had to have Prime now because waiting is hard. I had the, the privilege this week of, of going with my dad hunting. Um, we, we went out to uh, Len, Lenny Atusha's um, farm, and, and Lenny drove us back to the, the Ritz-Carlton of, of tree stands on the backside of his property. And um, it's got steps that go up. So my, we got my dad up and situated. And Lenny gave us the, the instructions. He told us, hey, about 4.15 to 5.20, that's when things get really going. That's when things get active. Well, we got in the stand is about 3.20. So we had about an hour to wait before things got active. And we'd hear a squirrel, and the wind would blow, and my dad would say, what time is it? <laughs> and uh, probably from 3.20 to 3.30, he asked me a hundred times what time it was. He was just excited. And then 4.15 came, and, and nothing happened. And so the question changed from, like, what time is it? It's like, when's Lenny coming back? <laughs> and and, and we, we, we got blessed, and then just a few minutes later, there, there was deer, and we got to, to take a deer, and, and he was giddy about it, but it is hard to wait. And it's hard to wait when times are good, right? I mean, it's hard to wait when times are easy. It's so much harder for us to wait when, when we're full of fear and anxiety, when we're hurting and we're struggling. Because all we want is, is a decision and to do. We just want action. And yet it's actually in that, that watching and waiting that we grow. Right, the psalmist says in Psalm 27, what? That, that to wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. So in that thing that's so hard for us to do, it's often that place that God grows our hearts, that God grows our faith, that God strengthens us and encourages us. And yet it's hard. We, we, we're people who want action. And so often what? We, we begin to, to interpret things ourselves. We begin to believe the lies that are, have been whispered into us that God's not just and he's not good and he's not trustworthy. And so we act on our own out of impatience instead of waiting. And we despair. And that, that's not what Habakkuk does though. He watches and he waits. He waits with an expectation that God is going to answer his questions. And he's got questions. I mean, he's, he's already posed them to God, and his questions show a humility about him. So he seeks answers, that he doesn't know everything, that he doesn't understand everything. I've been watching this show recently. It's, a, it's kind of a cooking show. Like, you don't learn how to cook anything, but it's about food. And they, they tell stories, and, and uh, they look at, 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 at cultural things that are going on through different foods. And one of them is all about barbecue. And um, if you know me, you know I, lo- I love barbecue. I'm um, just sitting here right now. I just said barbecue. My mouth started to water. Um, it's about barbecue. And, and, and they're, they're, there's all these scenes. There's just one great scene that they finish roasting the pigs. And they're bringing the pigs out. And this guy's, they're, they're beginning to prepare them to be eaten. It's kind of like a buffet line. He pulls off this huge slab from it. And he goes, that's a slab of bacon. And he says, I wish the whole pig was bacon. And it had nothing to do with my sermon, but it's just a great line. I, I'm there with him. Right after that. They're talking to one of the pitmasters. It's this pitmaster convention out in Illinois. And, and he, he says, if, if you want to be one of the best, you want to be one of the best pitmasters, you have to be evolving. 
And, and, and to be evolving, you need to understand that you don't know everything. You know, the, the, the posture that Habakkuk takes is that he doesn't know everything, that he's not God all-wise. And we could change evolving to growing. And, and, and for us to be growing, we have to be willing to admit and humble ourselves and say, we don't understand and we don't know everything, God. And, and, and to go and beat on his doors in, in faith-filled confrontation to seek answers. And, and to watch and to wait for those answers. And so we, we walk faithfully by what we say, by what we do, and then by what we hear. What does Habakkuk here. Well, right after he tells us that he's going to watch and wait, verse 2 of chapter 2, and it says, and the Lord answered me. And the Lord answered me. He said to him, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. He's watching and waiting. He's watching and waiting. And what comes to him? The Word of God. The Word of God comes to him because he says to him what? To write down the vision. Write down the oracle that I'm giving you. And write it on stone tablets. The, the way that we interpret the providences of God in our lives, the way that we understand how the world works is by God's revealed Word to us. And he wants it written on stone tablets so that it's, it's lasting. And we should, you know, be, our ears should be tickled when we hear stone tablets in the Old Testament and, and hearken back to the Ten Commandments and the Word of God that was given then. He wants them to stand as a testament that his promise that, that he is giving, that, that what is coming, we need to know. And it needs to stand the test of time. He doesn't want it written on paper or papyrus that might disappear. And he wants it big so that if you're running by it, you can still read it. It would be like us putting it on a billboard so you, as you're driving 85 down 288. I don't know if you do that, but I do that. and That you'd be able to still read it. It's that important. It's that important. He, he's given the Word of God to interpret what is going on. To understand that God is at work. Here's the thing is that, that often when life comes at us with the hard things, the last place we turn is the Word of God. We, we, we don't spend time memorizing Scriptures preparing our hearts for the hard times so that we can recite them back to ourselves and remind us of the goodness of God becomes a book that's closed off to us. It's exactly how the devil wants it. It's not just the written word that comes, it's the declared word. He's a prophet. He's going to be declaring this word to God's people. He's going to be speaking it over them. God's word comes to us not only written but, but declared. And just like in those hard times, we often don't open God's word. There's times where, where we begin to say things to ourselves like, I just can't do it today. I, just, I, just, I, can't, I can't deal with the people today. I'm, I'm too tired. I'm worn out. I can't get out of bed this morning. And, and, and we give up the opportunity to, to come and, and be with God's people as we declare to one another God's word through our singing and the preaching of God's word. And here, here's the thing, folks, is that those are lies on your lips. That is the devil in your mouth. Because the, the last thing that you need is to stay home and be isolated. And that's what he wants, right? He, he, he wants for you to believe those lies so you don't come to the one place that combats them. He wants you to, to, to live with despair and, and fear and anxiety and not with the courage that comes from knowing the faithfulness 
and steadfast love of God. It's like worm tongue whispering in the ear of King Theoden, right? It cripples him and controls him. When we begin to believe those lies and, and, and we, we stay out of God's people and we, we don't open God's word and we don't allow God's word to be the, the tool that he's given us to interpret life and understand life and give us life, then we end up despairing. He, he, he reveals here to Habakkuk his way. Right? He, he, he says the, the word is coming and to write it and, and to declare it. And then he says, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. And he gathers for himself all nations and collects his, his own all peoples. His word is going to confront the arrogant. It's going to comfort the dependent and the despondent. That's what it does. We not only have it, have it written, I mean, you know, they had the desire to put it on stone tablets. Many of you have it open now in your hands. And, and we, we have access to it on our phones. And if you don't like to read it, you can put it in you know, the audio book thing and it'll read it to you. And we have the opportunity to hear it declared over us, but we also have something even greater than what Habakkuk had. He had the promise of the incarnate word. We have the revelation of the incarnate word. We, we have the, the word that became flesh, that revealed to us the very nature of who God is, right? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. So when we, we think to ourselves, the, 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 how are we going to declare to ourselves the things we know about God? Well, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus and, and, and he shows us who our Father is. He shows us the, the love and the mercy and the grace and the truth of who God is. You know, we, we have the table set before us this morning. It's the Lord's table. We're, we're not looking to, to God's promises written in stone any longer. They've been written in blood. The blood of Christ, the incarnate word, our Savior. This table stands here, what is not just a remembrance, but a way for God's people to, to eat and commune with Christ to be fed and nourished. But it's also something that reminds us, it's a signpost, that we have a promise from God and that we're still waiting, that we're still watching for the return of our King. And so how do we live by faith in the world around us? We remind ourselves who God is. We speak the truth of, of the good news to one another. We speak truthfully about our situation. And we watch and we wait for the return of our King, the incarnate Word, who laid down His life for you and for me so that the evil that Habakkuk cries out about has been dealt with and the evil that we see in the mirror each morning has been covered by the blood of Christ. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come this morning rejoicing at the good news, rejoicing at the promises, rejoicing the character of who You are, our sovereign God. We come this morning praying that You would remind us of that, 
as we leave this place. Remind us of that even now as we prepare our hearts to partake of the Lord's Supper. That we might come to the table knowing our need and our dependency on you, our God, who is faithful and steadfast in his love. We pray these things in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.